Good morning, Victory family and friends. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we rejoice and we are glad in it. My name is Paul. I'm privileged to serve as pastor of Victory Church of Charlottesville, where we exist to see people reconcile to God and to each other. And I'm so grateful that you have joined us this morning. I would usually say for about 29 minutes, but if I'm honest, we'll probably go a little bit over that today because we'll be uh, partaking in the Lord's table together. And so if you haven't gotten communion elements, uh, feel free to go and grab that now. Uh, but it's so, uh, it's I'm grateful and, and humbled that you would choose to worship with our Victory family today. Now, how many of you by a show of virtual hand or a dropping a note in the chat box were, uh, were with us last week for the live stream? Or maybe you caught it uh, during the week on our YouTube page. Just let us know in the, in the chat box if you were if you were there. Can we just thank God for our prayer team here at Victory Church of Charlottesville? Uh, I mean, wow, just an amazing, an amazing job, um, an amazing presentation of the gospel, theologically rich, practical in its orientation that I, I believe helped all of us in our prayer lives. And so uh, I told them right after, uh, y'all was so good, we're going we're gonna to have to do that again. And so um, I hope you look forward to having the prayer team back in some capacity on a Sunday morning to lead us in that way. As I like to say, we're all on the prayer team, though certainly this particular group of people um, are praying for us every single day. Um, and so I, I just want to thank Troy Savage for his leadership. Um, I want to thank Erica, Kate, and Audrey for your diligence in the word of God and in prayer and for your presentation of such last week. Um, and to the entire prayer team. I know not everyone was on that Zoom uh, uh, live stream last week, but all of you who commit to praying for us on a weekly basis for our community, uh, for our nation, thank you. Um, if you want to join the prayer team, uh, at some point you'll see a link in, in the chat box for a connect card here at Victory. It's an electronic connect card. And through that, you can both submit prayer requests, but you can also uh, say, you know what, I think I want to be a part of that prayer team and, and exercise my faith in that way. So you can just click on that link and do that. Um, and I also want to invite you tomorrow night, uh, as we do every single Monday night from 8 p.m. to 8.20, to join us on the phone where we get to exercise our faith together by praying together. Even if you want to just stop and listen, um, that's okay as well. But we invite you to, 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 to take 10 to 15 seconds out of that 20 minutes, if you so choose, to offer up your own prayer of adoration, of confession, of thanksgiving, of supplication to a God who more than deserves it. Again, prayer team, thank you so much. Um, and speaking of prayer, uh, this morning I want to take a moment just to pray for uh, our medical professionals um, right now. This COVID surge is no joke. And, and I know all of us in some way, shape, or form are tired of it all. Uh, but truth is, it ain't tired of us. And I just want to lift up uh, this morning the personnel who are looking at it every single day, sitting with patients talking with their families, helping uh, patients to Zoom uh, their families, as one nurse did for my friend back in New York when he was going through it, um, just to pray for their stamina, their hope, uh, their protection. And, and so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for being present right now with all of, all of us. And we pray particularly for medical personnel that you would uh, be their hedge of protection physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, God, care for them in only the ways that you can and help us to be an extension of you to them in the ways that, that, that they need and that would be supportive. Uh, we thank you for their continued wisdom, their continued discernment 
um, their, their precision and how they care for all of the need and expected need, particularly over these next few weeks. We love you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God, we just thank you. We we just grateful that that we um, can talk to a God who is supernatural, goes beyond our resources and capacity and does what only God can do. And so we pray for that supernatural strength, no doubt, today. Uh, this morning, we are beginning a new sermon series, uh, and we have titled this sermon series simply Christmas, Christmas, with an emphasis, of course, on Christ. And so turn with me, if you would, to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah, we're going to look at <clears throat> chapter 7, verses 1 through 14. Isaiah chapter 7, verses 1 through 14. As you're finding that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to study your word. Pray that you'd open our eyes so that we may see all of the wonderful things you have for us in your law. Open my eyes, God. Holy Spirit, speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Isaiah chapter 7, verses 1 through 14. I'll be reading from the New International Version. It says, When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, King Rezin of Aram, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest were shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, go out, you and your son, Shear Jeshub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Say to him, be careful, keep calm, don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and of the son of Remaliah. Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabeel king over it. Verse 7 says, yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said in verse 13, hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, in these four Sundays leading up to Christmas, we call them Advent. Advent meaning the Latin word to come. And so we celebrate the coming of Jesus. And if you're on our Zoom call at 930, we spend some time uh, just doing some congregational Advent readings virtually to celebrate such. 
And this morning, I want to, from this text, title the message, Anyway. Anyway, turn to your virtual neighbor, text them, chat them, and just say, Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Every now and then, if you know me and you've talked to me, I get myself kind of sidetracked in a conversation. And, and, and I might say, Anyway. So as to pivot and kind of get myself back on track into the main point that I was making. But I've also been in conversations where I have said some things and the person to whom I am speaking says at some point, anyway, <laughs> and they just move on. And it doesn't have to be anyway, that, that, that word, though I've used that to title this morning's message. It could be another word or phrase, and you probably have better ones. So if you have one, drop it in the chat too. Whatever word or phrase, if they're appropriate, of course, um, that would accomplish that same end, right? Like, uh, so anyways, like I was saying, or um, yeah, so about that. <laughs> um, some of y'all would just say outright, like, uh, uh, who was it? Russell Westbrook, when he was being interviewed, and they asked him, you know, did you all lose the game or did they win the game? And he kind of looked at the interviewer, and he, he said, bro, what are you talking about, right? Like, like, anyway, moving on, next question. Now, as you type some of those alternate phrases, just for some, just for some fun this morning, um, alternate phrases or words that accomplish that end, in some of those conversations that I find myself, myself in, and I imagine you do too, the tone of that anyway can be dismissive, right? Or, or meant to be a disregard from my thoughts and my contribution. I've been there. Uh, now that's not though the context that I'm focusing on today with that word. Rather the context that I am wanting to speak to is uh, uh, when somebody says anyway to me after I've said some nonsense to them <laughs> and, and to put it plainly, something hurtful maybe and they've chosen to love me through it. I have personally said some of the dumbest and hurtful things to two of my best friends. I'll never forget some years ago, I was going through some stuff, mental health challenges and, and such, and, and, and I wasn't quite aware of those challenges and what they were. I hadn't figured it out yet. And so I'd be sharing with them and talking to them, and I would say stuff to them that was just rude. And one of them would just say, uh, anyway, uh, how can we be praying for you, bro? <laughs> or anyway, hey, man, we need to get down there and see you, P. Let, you know, just come and just chop it up for a minute. Go get something. Just connect. Anyway, we're going to love you through this season of your life where you're just struggling to see the path forward. Anybody ever experienced that? That kind of anyway, if you will, from a friend? Maybe you don't even know that you did. Anybody ever offer that, for that matter? to somebody else. Anyway, 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 it's an adverb that's used to uh, uh, end a conversation. It's used to change a subject. It's used to kind of resume uh, a talk, a subject after there's been some kind of interruption. Anyway, and the truth is all of us at times in our lives have given God plenty of opportunity to say, anyway, We've worked hard at interrupting our own destiny. And God just says, anyway, back to the plan that I'm trying to get you to see for your life. Anyway, I don't know what you were thinking in that moment, but you know what? Here's my mercy. Anyway, I'm going to let my grace just, just usher you in to that job that on paper you don't even qualify for. Anyway, the birth of Jesus Christ 
is one of those anyway moments. Anyway, even with all the chaos, all the disobedience, I'm coming to the, into this world, Jesus is saying, to save you. Anyway. And here, Isaiah, the prophet, is forecasting Jesus' birth some six to seven hundred years prior to Jesus' birth. Think about that for a moment. You've got in the Bible 40 different writers, over 1,600 years, uh, 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 different languages, several continents, and all of it points to Jesus. Bible's amazing. Isaiah's prophesying six to 700 years prior to Jesus's birth that he's going to come in the midst of chaos. In a pure, anyway, <laughs> moment. And that's the message, really. But there are three points that I want to lift out of this text more specifically. The first is that the Lord sends. Secondly, it shall not stand. And thirdly, stand firm. Isaiah, for some context, he's a prophet. Spoke primarily to Judah, which is the, the southern kingdom of Israel. Israel, after the reign of Solomon, uh, divided into two kingdoms when, when tribes basically refused to submit to Rehoboam, which is Solomon's son, uh, uh, to, to his rulership, and the northern kingdom retained the name Israel with Samaria as its capital, and the southern kingdom was called Judah with Jerusalem as its capital. And in this chapter, um, Isaiah, who speaks primarily as a southern kingdom prophet, he, he sent to King Ahaz, the king of Judah. And Ahaz, according to 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 2, uh, he wasn't a good he was, he was an evil king. He, he didn't do, as 2 Kings 16 and 2 says, he didn't do right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Jotham, his father, did what was right. Jotham's father, Uzziah, did also what was right. Ahaz, though, engaged in some detestable practices, y'all. Uh, scripture says the practices of the nations that the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. And one of those practices was sacrificing his own son. Idolatry also was pervasive. It persisted during the reign of King Ahaz. At one point, even, uh, Ahaz was delivered. It says in 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 5, he was delivered into the hands of the king of Aram, also known as Syria. Now, uh, in our text, the king of Syria, uh, <clears throat> who had already done some damage, as I just referenced, you can read over in 2 Chronicles about, is now forming an alliance with, with Ephraim, this text says. And they're making their way toward Jerusalem to, to besiege, to overwhelm it with even more destruction than before. And this had King Ahaz shaken. Or as we used to say growing up, he was shook. <laughs> the brother was shook. And when leaders are shaken, the, the, the people are shaken, just as the trees, the text says, of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, go out, you and your son, Shear Jeshub, to meet Ahaz. First point, the Lord sends. The Lord sends. Nothing about Ahaz and how he had conducted himself to this point would make anyone think that the Lord, that, that he was deserving of the Lord coming to speak to him. Yet for the people's sake. Two, two quick side notes, maybe three. One, 
the Lord speaking to you isn't necessarily a commendation of you. It might be to save those who are with you. Therefore, stay humble, stay before the Lord, stay in the word, stay prayerful. Secondly, side point, uh, anybody, um, is anybody just glad <laughs> that God will keep talking to us even when we stop talking to him? I am so grateful for one because there have been times in my life where I've stopped talking to God, but God did not stop talking to me. Thankful. God is always trying to get our attention. And I'm inspired by something that could be missed. I'm inspired by Isaiah's obedience here too, which, which, which God may be calling you to go meet someone. Isaiah just went, not like Jonah where God said, go to Nineveh. And he said, uh-huh, what? <laughs> the brother he sent to, to Saul, he said, go meet Saul. He said, do you know who Saul is? No, Isaiah just went. And I'm inspired even by that obedience. What and who to whom is God sending you? Anyway, and the Lord told Isaiah to take his son, which really was like carrying a declaration with him because the name Shay Jashub means literally a remnant shall return. God is always beckoning us back to him, always calling us back, calling you perhaps back this morning. Prophets often, as is done here, recorded what they preached in the names of their children. And we don't have time here, but we can reference even Hosea chapter one, verses four, six and nine, where we see examples of that. And the prophet Isaiah in this text, of course, is being sent to Ahaz and he calls on Ahaz to 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 face this crisis, if you will, with God's perspective. Sound familiar? <laughs> Anybody ever find themselves in a crisis? Anybody in one right now needing a word from the Lord to help them, to help me, to help us focus on a heavenly perspective? God, speak, please. Verse four says, say to him, be careful. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. Do not lose heart. Essentially, saying to them, listen, all their threatening is going to vanish in the smoke. Similar to, to Jeremiah chapter 46, verse 17, where it says that Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, y'all remember Pharaoh? It says, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, eh, but a noise, <laughs> just some noise. Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin, the text says, saying in verse six, let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabeel king over it. And then verse seven says, yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. Second point, it shall not stand. That's taken from the King James version, which I, I like for this. It shall not stand. And may that be all of our declaration today, that fear, Worry, self-doubt, shame, guilt, defeat, hopelessness shall not stand. Remember the context even that's, that this word is even being spoken in. Lest we fall prey to saying, hey, 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 yeah, that sounds good. But do you know where I'm at? <laughs> Remember the context that this is being spoken in. Aram, Aram had already done damage. I referenced 2 Chronicles earlier, chapter 28, verse 6 says, In one day, Pekah, son of Remaliah, the same folks who are uh, uh, in the picture here in Isaiah 7, they killed 120,000 soldiers in Judah. Damage had already been done. 
Lives had already been lost. So the cynic in Ahaz and many of us too, if we're honest, is shall not stand. Shoot, it's already stood. What do you mean it won't? It shall not stand, Isaiah? Now it's just coming to finish the job. I already know how this goes. I'm scared. And for a lot of us, there's been a lot lost in 2020. Yes? A lot lost. Lives, sense of self, sense of identity, sense so much community. And yes, it's in the midst of that the Lord is still speaking. It shall not stand. What seems like it's going to be a complete wipeout. No, it shall not stand. You fill in the blank for yourself in your own life and you declare the truth of God's word by faith. And because it shall not stand, you stand. I stand. We stand. Point three, stand firm. Gospel artist Donnie McClurkin has a song called Stand where he says, what do you do when you've done all you can? Seems like it's never enough. Tell me, what do you give when you've given your all and it seems like you can't make it through? Well, you just stand when there's nothing left to do. You just stand, watch the Lord see you through. Yes, after you've done all you can, you just stand. You just stand. I recall in 2016, our family moving to Northern Virginia. We, we had at the time been traveling from Charlottesville to Northern Virginia just about every Sunday for several weeks to attend Grace Covenant Church, which is now our sending church, because we just we, we didn't feel like we had a home here and it was hard and, and we were tired and, and we just because we considered Charlottesville home, but we didn't have a church home, really. And after convos, many of you know the story, convos with the pastor there about starting a church here in Charlottesville, which is what we've been led to do. We were offered the chance to kind of get a behind the scenes look at Grace Covenant in terms of what it would look like and feel like to be a pastor. I was asked to steward the small groups ministry there while having access to staff meetings and trainings and coaching and you name it. But little did I know in those two years of training, though great, all of it, all of that actually would be overwhelmed in many ways by my parents, and you, many of you know this story too, the, the declining health, particularly my father. Little did I know we'd, we'd make the difficult decision to, to, to not let my dad drive anymore. Little did I know that we'd have to, to move my mother and my father out of their home where they lived independently and into a relative's home where we'd all be sharing what would be around-the-clock care that was needed. Little did I know we'd have to move them into then a facility where they'd get more care, only still for us to still be on site for hours on end to provide care and to ensure that the care that was supposed to be provided was getting provided. Little did we know. You get the point. Now, I knew I was supposed to stand. I knew that, but honestly, I was struggling with what, with what that looked like. Everybody, all of our family, we're trying hard, we're working, we're, we're parenting, I'm commuting to Charlottesville, we're, 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 we're trying to be a good spouse, we're serving in the church, we're, we're trying to keep on keeping on. Sound familiar to anybody? I imagine I am not alone in that story. Hello, COVID. I'm tired, Lord. I'm frustrated, Lord. I don't know how much more I can do this. This is unnatural. And we know prolonged periods of stress lead to awful outcomes. Strange relationships, mental health challenges, burnout, isolation, sometimes even fatal outcomes. God, how am I supposed to stand? What does that even look like? What was standing for me supposed to look like was the question that I was asking. And I think written here in our text nudges all of us in the direction of the answer. Stand firm in our faith. Faith to heal? Yes. 
I always and still do pray and believe God can heal. I believe that can happen and also faith that God will see me and you through even if he chooses not to heal. Stand faith in, stand firm in our faith that racism, it can be eradicated. That's the God we serve. He can do that. And yet faith in God to see us through should racism never go away. And as we go even further into this winter season and, and, and being inside becomes more regular when there's less sunlight and, and while these cases of COVID surge and UVA hospitals sending out emails about getting more beds for the overflow, we must stand firm in our faith lest we not stand at all. Verse 10 says, as we head, <laughs> as we head toward a conclusion, which I laugh if I say that because that, that means nothing. Preachers say some stuff sometimes, right? As I head to a conclusion, which gives you no bearing on what time. But anyways, verse 10 says, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. At least, you know, I'm thinking about a conclusion right now. Uh, you can get your communion elements ready. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. Verse 12 says, but Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Quick parenthetical. How often do we use the word of God to resist God? Don't be deceived, scripture says. God isn't mocked. Ahaz, in his pride, he had his eyes set on a political solution. That's what was going on. But how many know politics alone, though useful and purposeful, cannot save us? Verse 13 says, then Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? The New Revised Standard Version of the Bible says, will you weary my God also? You, the one needing help, and you're trying to tire out the people and God along the way, the ones who want to help you? So I was doing to my best friends in that story I told you earlier. And this is what God says through the prophet Isaiah. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, you can't even get out of your own way. But anyway, I'm showing you a path forward and you just want to take the hard road every time. <sighs> but anyway, I'm telling you, obedience is better than sacrifice. And you go on and sacrifice your son Ahaz. But, but anyway, fill in the blank for you and for me. Verse 14, anyway, therefore the Lord, he's going to give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Such that even in the midst of a mess you created, Paul Harris, I am with you, Emmanuel. God with us. You don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. And as the gospel rapper Bazil says, the word of God says the wages for sin is death. So if sin is how you work, then death should be the check. But declare my word, watch me show up. Maybe not how I, you want me to show up, but, but, but I'll be there. The Lord chases us down. He chases us down with infinite mercy and grace. Anyway, the Lord provides. <laughs> anyway, Jesus is coming. Anyway, oh, that's a Merry Christmas. We serve a God who says, anyway, oh, in spite of yourselves and myself, God, anyway, I'm coming into the chaos of this world, which no doubt he, he did six to seven hundred years after this prophecy of Isaiah in this text. And as we 
as I conclude, as we prepare for communion, just for a moment, y'all, just, just reflect, will you? Reflect on your own life. I'm reflecting on my own life and how God has on multiple occasions stepped in and just said, anyway, Christmas, the birth of Christ is one big, anyway, and go a step further, will you? Think about the people in your life. Like this week, think about the people in your life who, who you've wearied, you've tired out, and yet they came for you anyway. They kept coming for you anyway. They're coming still now for you anyway. They're loving you through it anyway. If they're still living, send them a note, a special one this Christmas season. If not, if they're not living, tell God all about it anyway. As you grab your communion elements and we close in prayer, as we shift into communion, God, thank you for coming for the birth of Jesus Christ that says, anyway, God, I know I don't deserve you. Not that different from Ahaz in many ways. Mock you in my own way. Subtly, maybe not so subtly, directly, maybe not so directly, God, but you you cannot be mocked, and yet you say anyway. I'm sending for you anyways. That circumstance, it shall not stand anyway. And I'm begging you, I'm beckoning you, Jesus says, stand firm. Stand firm in faith. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking to us through the word of God. And as we transition to communion, may we reflect further on the sacrifice, oh, again, that we didn't deserve, a debt we owed but couldn't pay. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to D in the base. I hope you have your communion elements with you. Um, we have the privilege this morning of partaking in the Lord's Supper. Um, And so I invite you to share um, or to gather rather bread or juice, whatever it is that you have so that we commemorate together uh, this moment. Communion, y'all, it's a celebration of the gospel, is it not? Gospel being that Jesus, he took on our sin. He, He received the wages of sin, which was death in our place so that we could be made whole through him. And our participation in communion is for anybody viewing this who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. And if you have yet to do that, there's never a bad time to make a great decision. You can do so in this moment and join us. The Bible, though, does say in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that we should not take communion in an unworthy or irreverent manner. So take a moment and just examine your hearts. I'll examine my own heart and ponder the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Thank you, Jesus.
Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in the latter part of verse 23, that on the night that our Lord Jesus was portrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat together. Verse 25 says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. God, we thank you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to be born to die on Calvary's cross for our sin, providing the justice necessary for reconciliation to occur. Thank you for making a way back to you. May we ponder that sacrifice. May we ponder your goodness. May we ponder the ways through which you continue to say, anyway, and speak to us and beckon us to stand firm. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. I was looking for, so as not to sing, one of my favorite hymns, that the blood will not lose its power, and I didn't find the right version, uh, as you might have heard somebody talking, but I did also wanna share, just as relevant and poignant and timely a message in song, and this is from our uh, victory worship team. And so as we go today, as, as I always admonish for us to live in victory, um, however we're feeling, wherever we are, however we are traversing and navigating this surreal terrain. I won't go as far as to say we're all in the same boat. We're not. Some are in a canoe. Some are in a, you know, we're experiencing this space differently, but we're all in the space, no doubt. And as we're there, uh, my prayer is that we would trust God uh, and not give up because of the God we serve, who is always there with in any way. And so I pray that you are blessed by the musical arrangement and vocals and video production, all of which. Uh, was spearheaded and executed by our victory worship team as unto the Lord. So I praise God for them. I praise God for you. And let's all live in victory. Love y'all.
I'm yeah.